Are you ready to know your worth and identity in the body of Christ? Are you ready for kingdom conversations with kingdom people? Welcome to the Recovery to Recovered podcast. I'm your host, Caleb McCall, and I will be guiding you through the word with preaching and teaching and empower you to know who you are in Christ Jesus. Hello and welcome in to today's episode on the Recovery to Recovered podcast. Man, I'm so excited about today. I've got a good friend of mine, a great friend of mine, uh, Brother Curtis Francis, on the show today to do an interview and talk about some things that are going on in the kingdom, talk about um, some things that are going on in our nation. I really want you guys to tune in and pay attention uh, to today's show. I believe that God is going to speak to his people today through Brother Curtis Francis and uh, through this conversation and through this dialogue and um, help us as the body of Christ and as kingdom people to understand um, different perspectives, different scenarios, and really just what God is speaking in this season and what God is willing to do through his people in this season. So welcome into the Recovery to Recovered podcast where we believe there is a road to recovery, but it ends on a street called Redeemed, and that recovery, recovery is something that happens in you, not something that happens to you. Brother Curtis, what is up, man? How you doing, man? Oh, man, I'm doing great. Got one by Jehovah Jireh. Got me one of those energy teeth. <laughs> right now. Come on, man. Come on. You're going to be preaching for this thing's over with, huh? Yes, sir. <laughs> awesome, man. I I met uh, Brother Curtis uh, about four years ago when I had first come home from Team Challenge. We did a ministry event together in Fayetteville, t- Tennessee, uh, called Praise Fest, and it's where we were, we was right there in the hood in the projects, and we were um, preaching the gospel. Had the doors open, folks coming in um, to hear the gospel and do an event out there. And uh, I just, man, I always, uh, ever since I had met you, I knew that the Lord had connected us, man, and He'd connected oh, yeah. us in the Spirit. And then you wound up uh, going to Ministries of Hope and where you're basically on staff there. You know, you preach there and you teach there and you're a big part of what they're doing and accomplishing here in the Middle Tennessee region. Ministries of Hope Church, folks, man, it's just an incredible place. The Spirit of God is moving there. They are one of our ministry's biggest partners, not only from a financial standpoint, but most of all from a spiritual standpoint. Wouldn't you agree with that, Brother Curtis? Oh, yeah. Um, You know that uh, our folks go in there that are dealing with drug and alcohol addiction and they're getting wrecked in the Holy Ghost and getting baptized in the Holy Ghost and they're leaving them services, not the same people that they came in. And so for that, I thank you guys. I thank you, Brother Curtis, for that and pouring into our folks Um, and also Pastor Mike. Shout out to Pastor Mike Irvin. We love you, man. And, oh, yeah. uh, we'll have Pastor Mike on the show soon. When he gets on, we're going to have a Holy Ghost party. I mean, <laughs> but, I don't know uh, how you're keep him in one spot. What's that? I don't know how you're going to keep him in one spot. I don't, I don't know either, man. He might have to have a camera crew following him <laughs> on, this, on, this, on this Zoom call meeting. But, uh, you know, uh, first topic I want to uh, talk with you about, um, Brother Curtis, is, you know, recovery in the church. It's always something that when I do an interview on this show, I talked to the individual about recovery in the church and what is the church's role and what that looks like. And so for, for, for our listeners today, will you just, you know, let them know what it is that you believe the church's role is in the recovery community, people coming out of addiction and into the kingdom of God and some of the things that maybe you're seeing there at Ministries of Hope with our group being there. Oh, uh, the most important thing that I've seen over the last couple of years is that we love them like Jesus. Come on, man. Man, sometimes folks come in and they always, <clears throat> excuse me, they always don't get saved the first time they walk through the door. They always don't get saved the 10th time they walk through the door. But we got to be consistent in loving them like Jesus. Come on, Every man. time they walk through the door, hug them. Yeah. I love Jesus has the plan for your life. Just keep speaking that into your life. Because what you see with those, uh, with a lot of the people that are on drugs or trying to overcome that is that nobody's ever told them that they loved them. Right. Ever felt that they had a purpose in life. Mm-hmm. And and they the only thing they have ever hear, heard is negative and things that they've, you know, done in the past and what's messed up their life. When you start speaking purpose into somebody's life, right. it eventually clicks up here and it clicks in here. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Nobody's ever told me they love me. Nobody's ever taught me to love of the Father. 
Mm. Uh, they, they may have been uh, in a home without a father or without a mother. And so they don't know that. But to know that Jesus loves them as their own, because he is, right, he, right. they are his own. And right. if we teach them that Jesus loved them as his own, and they grasp that, man, the moment that they understand that. Because um, I've never, and we'll, we'll get into this a little later, I've never been uh, on a drug or never been even, uh, never even tried a drug. Yeah. Um, but here's what I know by talking to several of them, uh, uh, people that's been recovered, is that when they are on drugs, they're looking for something. Right. And they think that they found it when they first start doing the drugs, but after they go down that long path that it takes them, they quickly realize that even that wasn't what they were looking for. Right, right. So right. at the moment we introduce them to Jesus, Mm-hmm. It's like a light switch. Yep. This is it. This is yeah. what I've been looking for. Right, right. These folks that are dealing with addiction, a lot of them have this hole in their life, this hole in their heart. And I always tell them that hole is simply Christ-shaped. That's right. You know, it's like a piece of the puzzle that's missing in their life, and it's simply Christ-shaped. You know, he's the only thing that's going to scratch that itch. He's the only mm-hmm. thing that can fill that void and it's really, you know, it's what they're looking for. You know, I kind of got ahead of myself talking about recovering the church. But do you mind to kind of give a little bit of your background, Curtis? You know, you are a detective at, at the Franklin County Sheriff's Department. And um, you're also, like I said, a preacher and a, and a pastor there with Ministries of Hope. But give me a little bit of background on how you grew up and how you come to Christ. Well, it started out like I, I was always uh, raised, raised in the church. I had a uh, incident that happened when I was about 15, 16 years old inside the church, and I kind of walked away. I left hurt, kind of like everybody does. And I understand now that it wasn't even anything to do with the person. It, it was just the enemy. Mm-hmm. But but I walked away hurt. Uh, so I went, I said that I've never tried a drug before. Now, I did sell drugs. Mm-hmm. I went through a brief period of time in my teenage years that I sold drugs. I, I turned 18 and realized, hey, I don't want to go to jail, so I, I quit doing that. Right. Uh, <clears throat> but I always knew who God was. I always mm-hmm. still acknowledged God, just didn't want nothing to do with the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I made a stupid declaration to the Lord, because I and I say stupid because I could have died any time between then and now, that mm-hmm. Lord, if you'll see me to the day that I get married, I'll serve you 100%. Uh, and I won't turn look back. And wow. as I was on the way to my wedding, I was driving in the car. I was going to pick up my best man. And I was driving straight. I didn't swerve. I didn't do anything. My car went off in the ditch, came back up on the road. And I stopped. I looked around. I was like, man, what just happened? And I heard the voice of God say, you remember the promise you made me? Man, I got goosebumps all over me right now. <laughs> and from my that goodness. moment on, I declared that I was going to serve the Lord. I wasn't going to be somebody's reason not to, meaning I wasn't going to be a hypocrite. And I was going to live the best way I possibly can so that my life would show the life of Christ. Come on, man. Come on. Wow, that's incredible. I don't even know that I'd ever heard that testimony and story, man. Wow, that's that's amazing, brother. Absolutely amazing. You know, and back to a little bit about the the recovery and the church issue. I mean, these these folks that you're getting to worship with, some of these folks you you've had to arrest or or would have arrested, and now you're worshiping with these people, man. Ain't that how God works, man? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, man, there's a guy. Um, I don't know if I can say his name or not, so I won't. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a guy that's in the program now that. I was in school with growing up. Uh, I got in this line of work. I was looking for him. Uh, <laughs> he come in, get saved, and we worshiping up. And this guy's radical, man. Just oh, I know. Who, I know who you're talking about, too, <laughs> brother. I know who you're talking about. He is on fire for Jesus. Yes. And that's what happens, man. You know, um, these folks that are coming out of addiction, a lot of these people um, were passionate for what they used to do in addiction. And if that energy gets switched and channeled in the right direction for the King and the Lord, uh, man, you're talking about some impactful people uh, for the kingdom of God, man. So yeah, he's, he's on fire, man. (laughs) We're we're watching uh, God do a mighty thing through 
the ministry, the two ministries that, that you oversee, Caleb, uh, Beta Bush and Miriam's, Miriam's house, man, um, every, it seems like every service, something mighty's happening with, with the guys, man. Uh, mm-hmm. But I get excited talking yeah. about it. <laughs> uh, Holy Ghost field, yeah. man, people coming, people getting delivered. Uh, yeah. Uh, one one that sticks out to me particularly, I was I was pacing back and forth just praying in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. There was a guy that was in the beat of bush, and uh, the Holy Spirit said, "Go talk to him." And uh, and you know how we get in those conversations. Oh Lord, is this really you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm pacing back and forth, and I heard the Holy Spirit says, "He's going to leave if you don't go talk to him." Wow. And uh, and I walked back there and I said, the Holy Spirit said. That if you're you're gonna leave if I don't come back here and tell you the word from God, he started crying. Mm, and on. I begin to I begin to telling him what God had planned for his life mm. and that he wasn't there by mistake, but it was divine yeah. appointment. Come and on. that God had something special if he would just turn loose of everything right now. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit that come night. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> and then he put that he looked, he walked up to me right after church and said, You was right. I was fixing to go back, pack my bags, and I was leaving. Wow, and, man. come on, and man, but but we we walk in, man, and and the guys are come in, and uh, they love being here. They walk up, hug me, love mm-hmm. you, man. Yeah, and, uh, they'll come in and they worship. I watch them jump around the altar. I watch them run. I watch them shout. I watch them fall out the spirit, man. Yeah, yeah, and, come on, uh, man. Same thing with Mary's house. It's it's new. It's new, kind of in the in the early stages of it, but. Man, I see uh, people getting set free, man. Mm-hmm. Like you can just see it when they walk in. Some of the things that had them bound in the world right, still right. have a hold of them. Yeah. But when you walk in and you begin to pray with with the Holy Spirit behind you, and you pray and you begin to break strongholds, you right. can see freedom in their eyes. Come on, as they come begin on. To get <laughs> yes, man. I, just uh, I, we, I know me and you could stay here all day, man. We get oh, fired yeah. up talking about it. But I mean, like it too, just mentioning briefly, like some of the things that we're talking about that's breaking loose with these folks. You know, we're talking about baptisms in the Holy Spirit with these folks. And I'm just being real. A lot of these folks come in. They don't even know what it is. That's right. But when the spirit of God touches a man or when the spirit of God touches yeah. a woman, there ain't no oh. denying it. Come on, somebody. Come on. I'm about to start Come preaching on. in this thing. There ain't <laughs> no denying it when you don't even know what's happening to you. And then you go read in the word and it's like you wasn't coached up into this one. Right. You know, yeah, that's, that's right. what just happened to you. And nobody can take that experience. And I think the baptisms of the Holy Spirit flow with these uh, folks in our program because they aren't coached up in it or against it. Watch this because most people don't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because they've been programmed their whole life of, well, that was for the disciples or the apostles and that's not for today. Or people will misquote a scripture talking about tongues will cease. Well, if you read your Bible in context, it says when the perfect arrives, hello, that's when Jesus comes. Right. There's no need for prophecy or tongues at that point because we are with him in glorified bodies. Come on. Right. Are we reading our Bibles? You know, but you know, so many people have been coached up to to think against those things. And if you can't believe it, you can't receive it. That's right. right? That's Jesus right. said it himself. I can't even do miracles in my hometown where I want to because they don't believe. And when right. you don't believe in something, guess what? You ain't going to receive it. I know we could stay there all day and I could preach that, but let's oh, keep yeah. it moving. But I got to, I want to talk to you about uh, several different things before um, we get done with today's show. And, and one thing I want to talk to you about, Curtis, you know, one reason why I really I brought you on the show, because I know uh, that I can trust you. I know that you're a man after God's own heart. I know you love the Lord. I know you love your family. And I know um, that, that you're a godly man that will, will speak uh, what's on his mind, speak truth uh, wrapped in love and grace, even if it's hard truth. But yeah. I mean, one, one of the next topics I want to talk about is just the state of our nation and where we're at with, you know, we've just we're we're, we're, we thought we were coming out of this coronavirus thing. Now things are picking back up with it. We've been dealing with the last couple months of the fact that racism is still here in our country and we're having to deal with these things, man. And, and I just want to talk to you. I mean, uh, how do we as kingdom people, how do we respond with a kingdom mentality and not a political one. Now, let me uh, preface that with saying this, you know, 
here in just a second. I'm not trying to be contradictory or contradict myself because we are going to talk a little bit about politics here in a second. But, you know, we want to be if we're God's people, we must have a kingdom mentality first before any political one. If your political views don't line up with the kingdom mentality or the kingdom's views, your political views are off. Wouldn't you agree with that, Brother Curtis? So talk to me a little bit about how we as Christians should, should respond with the kingdom mentality. To answer that question simply before I go into detail, we go into the prayer closet. Come on. We shut the door and we get along with God. Come on, man. That's it. That's it. I'm going to tell you, um, just like anybody, it's very easy to get caught up in something that we shouldn't get caught up in and allow our feelings to take us to that place. Right. And um, as I was talking to you um, before, I found myself in that place once or twice. Yep. And I had to go into the prayer closet, yeah. shut the door, and get along with Jesus. Me too, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, because you see everything going on in, in the world, and I know we're going to hit this, so I'm just going to lighter, but I'm just going to – but being, being a, a, a black man, uh, being a police officer, being a, a Christian, right, uh, a follower of Jesus, it could pull you in three different directions. Right, right. But the one that I, I have to allow me to be pulled is a follower of Christ. Right, right. Uh, it, it shouldn't line up with how I feel. It shouldn't line up with whatever polit- political party that, that I, I feel like I support if I support one or the other. Sure. It, it shouldn't line up with anything but the word of God. Right. Uh, and so how do we stay – how do we stay um, – at the right point is we stay in the word of God. Amen. Yeah. Whatever, whatever we do, it must line up with the word of God because if it doesn't line up with the word of God, it's wrong. Right. There's no, there's no other way to say it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't care what mama told you. I don't care what grandma told you. I don't care what pastor told you. Preach. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, it's wrong. Right. Right. Yeah. Amen, brother. Total. Uh, I'm in total agreement with that. You know, what you mentioned at the beginning of that too is how one of the questions was, how do you respond as a Christian to these trying times that we're in? And you answered it, man, the only way that we, we know that the right way to respond is right with a kingdom mentality, a kingdom voice, a kingdom perspective, right? But where is the kingdom mentality voice and perspective established? It's established in the prayer closet. It's established in that one-on-one time, that alone time with Jesus, the studying of the word of God. You mentioned a second ago, well, you know, that that if it doesn't line up with the word of God, it's not right. Well, how are you going to know what the word of God says if you ain't spent time in it? Right. You know, and that is where a kingdom mentality, a kingdom response to these issues is developed is exactly what you said about being in the prayer closet and uh, spending time with Jesus so that you can reflect him. I said all the time preaching, you can't reflect something you won't stand in front of. That's right. That's right. If you can't get alone with him, you'll never look like him. Right. That's right. And we, we as Christians, man, so many, I I was just counseling a guy (laughs) earlier and he's wanting to get in a program. He wants to be in ministry. He wants to preach. He wants to do all these things but his life is a mess. And, um, you know, he kept continued to make excuses for his flesh and well, you know, we're, we're all going to sin. If we say that we're without sin, we make God out to be a liar, which that's a whole sermon in itself. Yeah. Too. Like John is saying, if you say that you have no need for the cross, if you say that you have never sinned, then yes, you make God out to be a liar. How could the same person who writes that one chapter later say, if you keep practicing sin, you're born of your father, the devil, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. so I won't get on that soapbox <laughs> real quick, but I mean, you know, First John 2, 6 says this, if any man says that he abides in him, he ought also walk like him. Yeah. And so our lives as Christians must reflect how Jesus would respond to these trying times that we're in. And let's just be real, man. This is some tough time. 2020 has been a heck of a year, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just well, been madness. And one thing you say, one thing you just said is the key. How would Jesus respond? Mm-hmm. When we talk about the woman that they caught in a, an adulterer, uh, they brought her to him, and at first he didn't say nothing. Mm-hmm. He started drawing in the dirt. Mm, that's good, man. Silence is the key. We cannot speak 
before God tells us to speak. But when he tells us to speak, then to we go. have to be that. We can't right. be afraid to speak when he tells right. us to. So right. we have to know. And I think you take that period of silence so that, wait a minute, let me make sure I have my emotions in check. Mm-hmm. Let me make sure that it's not coming from here, but it's coming from there. Right, right, And, right. and then in the moment he tells you to speak, we have to open up our mouths and be that voice. Because I right. think we can be silent too long. I think mm-hmm. we can be not oh, be yeah. silent long enough, but I think we can be silent for too long also. Man, that that is so, so good what you just said, man. I mean, it goes back to that thing. I was having a conversation with our buddy who, who you was mentioning earlier about being slow to speak and quick yeah. to listen. He's a fired up guy. He's energetic, high energy, loves the Lord and all those things. But we as Christians, we have to develop that mentality and that heart that Jesus had. He was yeah. always slow to speak, but he wasn't scared to speak either. That's right. And That's whenever it. it was time, he shared what only what the father told him, That's but it right. takes hearing from the father before you're able to release that word that God has for you to speak. I know when the whole George Floyd thing happened, you know, uh, my flesh, I just wanted to jump on and just go haywire. Yep. I did not yep. respond. I think it was for almost, it might've been like five days. I think after it had happened, and I took time to pray for his family. I took time to pray for our nation. I took time to pray before I responded. And man, you know, some people with us as leadership and pastors, I know a lot of people um, in that community, you know, and I get their their response. And where are the pastors? Where are the leaders? We got to speak against this thing. We got to speak immediately. Yeah. And I get that. I get your heart on that. But as a pastor, Everything that we say is uh, torn apart. It's dissected. Yep. And I want to respond in the way that Jesus would respond. That's it. And and I want to make a calculated, educated yeah. response, right? That's in the sense of so many people would jump on and speak on something. And there's so much crazy, like, fake stuff on Facebook, man. You got to be right. careful what you're even sharing on Facebook, just because somebody shares it on Facebook, you better be doing some research because half of this stuff out there ain't even legit. You know, I mean, uh, it's crazy. I, I, and I feel this from the Holy spirit, man, this wasn't even in my notes. Um, but man, on the, on the black lives matter, uh, situation, you know, I think, uh, we're talking about kingdom mentalities and, and kingdom responses. Um, as far as, the movement and the um, part of what it is that they're standing for, for black lives matter to me. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that much. But some of the things that the organization represents man, is, is like, you know, if we're going to have a kingdom mentality and we're going to have a kingdom response, you need to be careful what you affiliate with in that uh-huh. sense of do some research on and see what it is that, that these folks are um, really behind as well as understanding what they're saying. As far as that slogan goes, there, there does need to be that response of folks in yeah. our nation understanding black lives matter. And I understand yeah. the whole thing of people saying, well, all lives matter and all this stuff. And, mm-hmm. and I get to folks getting upset about, well, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about all, all lives can't matter until black lives matter. And I agree yeah. with that statement. I, yeah. I really do. I agree with that statement. Right. I, don't, I don't think that all lives can matter until we make sure that black lives are mattering. Um, but that's a tough situation, too, with the organization, because it's like, man, they've, some of this stuff is really good. And some of this stuff, if you do any kind of research, it is not um, what a Christian or kingdom right. uh, viewpoint would be. So that's a tough. Do you have anything on that? I don't know if you did. Yeah. Or not. I just felt the Holy Ghost want me to go there. So Yeah, yeah, I, I do. And um, this is probably not going to be the popular opinion, but yeah. the worst is the truth of sin. So here it goes. Hey, amen. Go ahead. Um, we, and I say we, now I'm talking about the church and mm. I'm talking about the black community. Sure. We have to be able to separate the movement from the organization. Yeah. And um, from day one, when I heard Black Lives Matter, um, I heard, um, be careful. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that I heard that in the spirit. Mm-hmm. I heard, be careful. I heard research. I like what you said. We can't mm-hmm. put, take 
because somebody posted something on Facebook right. as truth. Mm-hmm. First thing I have to do is my own research. Second thing I have to do is take what I did in my research into the prayer closet, shut the door. Now, when I say shut the door, I'm not talking about a little door. I'm talking about shut Facebook off. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about shut what mom and daddy's telling me off. I'm mm-hmm. talking about shutting everything else out. But what That's I've good. done on my own and then see how it lines up with the word of God. Come on, man. Line up with the word of God again. I throw it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have done my research on Black Lives Matter. And there is an alternative agenda. And I don't want to go in great detail about that. But I, I want our people, and I say our people, uh, followers of Christ, to do their own research and then mm-hmm. take it into the prayer closet. Because right. uh, there's certain things that Black Lives Matter stand for that we as Christians absolutely cannot get behind. Sure, right. Um, uh, they, they have an Islamic agenda. Mm. Uh, that's just the name one. I, I mean, I can go very. One of their one of their directors is uh, a part of a divination religion called Ifa. That actually yeah. a family member of mine is involved in as well. Um, but it's divination. You're getting your answer from demonic spirits. Yes, I mean, that's one of their founders and directors' religion. I mean, it's you really got to do some some research on those things. I mean, Curtis, too, for me, I always grew, grew up playing sports. I know you grew up playing sports. My mom is Puerto Rican and Cuban. I know you can't tell it looking at me, but my, my <laughs> family comes from a, a people of color. I grew up engulfed in black culture. I was a basketball player. All of my friends were, were black people. And I grew up in the culture. I grew, I love the black community. And, and like, as far as our nation and what we're talking about with Black Lives Matter, I'm going to tell you right now, Black Lives Matter to me. Yes. Um, the movement, as far as Black Lives Mattering, of course, we as kingdom people, we better line up with that. Not preach it from the pulpit. If you got racism in your heart, you got hatred and you got bigotry in your heart, guess what? You ain't been born again. And if you ain't been born again, you ain't a part of the kingdom. Yeah. And, you know, we've got to understand that. Go ahead. And, and say that. And that's one thing what I mean. We, we got to get behind the movement because, yeah, I'm in law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Here's what you don't see. The people know me in Franklin County. People know me in Coffee County. But mm-hmm. if I go to Rutherford, Davidson, nobody else, they don't know who I am. Right. So have I been followed around a store like I was going to steal something before? Absolutely. Mm. Um, have I, um, you know, been treated different because I, I, I was a black male in a, in a situation in, in a place where normally black males wouldn't go? Absolutely. Mm. Uh, and that's why I said we have to get behind the movement because whether now, now, now it's going to sound contradictory, contradictory here, but hear what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Whether you're African-American, Hispanic, um, you know, any other race, we all should be created, created equally. We mm-hmm. all, no one should be better than the other or no one should be treated less than the other. So, and that's what the movement, the movement, um, black life matter movement that we do have to get behind that everybody mm-hmm. be- Feature uh, created. I could tell you stories when I was in high school where it absolutely affected me. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, and 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 I would talk to. Uh, and and then here's one thing that that I would like to say, as as a African American male or African American, is that just because our white friends are silent doesn't mean they they are okay with what's going on. Right. Yeah. And saying that I have a really, really good friend who came to me with tears in his eyes and said, man, going back to the George Floyd thing, he's in law enforcement as well and said, listen, man, I don't agree. There was no reason why anything that should have happened. Right. But I don't know what to say. Yeah. Um, and, and I understood what he meant because that was the part of time I was on Facebook and I was seeing people rip people apart because they were silent. Yeah. I seen people rip people apart because they was pouring out their heart. I right. didn't take anything that they said was racist, but because mm-hmm. they didn't say what we thought they should have said, it came out as, as racist. We, we, we got to stick together. We got to unite mm-hmm. because I promise you the plan isn't for uh, black people to be treated, created equally by the enemy. The plan mm-hmm. is just to keep us divided. As long right. as he can 
what's divided. The Bible says a house is divided cannot stand. Come on. So as long as a country that's divided cannot stand. So as long as right. he keeps us divided, then he's he's doing his purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, he definitely knows the word. He tried to use the word against Jesus himself. I mean, to think that yeah. he doesn't know the word of God, we would be foolish in that in that type of statement. Um, I, I'm going to get into, let's just, you know, let's just go there real quick because we're kind of there and I, I'm kind of switching up some questions on you. I know we talked about some things before you got on, but you talked too about being a black man in America away from the counties that know you. And uh-huh. dealing with that type of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, profiling, yeah. uh, because people didn't know who you was and what you're about. But with you being, I wanted you to mention, what do you feel and how do you feel as a black man in America right now in uniform, but also out of uniform, which you kind of talked briefly about the out of uniform thing and some of the things that you've dealt with, but but as a black man in our country today, and as a godly Christian black man, what what do you what are you dealing with? What type of uh, situations are you dealing with? So again, I'm going I'm going to go to a place where that's been on my heart that uh, the community may or may not stand behind me. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing I'm going to say is if we want to be treated equally, we must act equally. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is. Um, I can very well change my appearance. I can take my hair, get it braided back, throw on some J's and a cap sideways, and I have people walk up to me trying to sell me drugs. Right. So if we want to be created equally, we must act equally. And mm-hmm. I, and, and what I mean by saying that is we must take away the stigma. Now, am I saying that because the way I look? Partly, but not, not as much. But we must quit acting. If we don't want to be treated like those, we must quit acting like those. Mm, wow. And 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 I'm not saying all black people, but I'm saying for yeah. the ones who are, that that we 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 need to quit acting like we need to step up the responsibilities. We need to teach our young men that they must be great at something else besides uh, playing sports and selling drugs. Right. Right. There's other things that, that, that we could do. Like I watch people um, in our community uh, bash Ben Carson and people that j- just because they're educated and they don't have the same view yeah. as what they think they should have. Right. Now, the other side of that is, is that people that's not of our color don't treat everybody like that because oh, I know yeah. good people. Yeah. I know good people that that stand for all the the right things but they're getting treated like that because of the skin color mm-hmm. and um so i'm Anna, and and again that goes back to christ we must look like christ right we right. Act, try our best to act like christ we must walk like christ mm-hmm. um and then even on that side we see how he was treated throughout the bible Oh yeah. Uh, who's the I mean, who's the first uh, guy that we can think of that died of injustice? Jesus Christ. Mm. Yeah, wow. They, yeah. Uh, they say you say you're the son uh, son of the living God. Mm. They killed him. They killed mm-hmm. him. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's fair to say too that Jesus understands injustice. That's right. That's right. And 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 who are we uh, not to have to go through any more anything more than he went through? He's not putting right. us through something that he didn't already walk through. Yeah. So we right. you know. I tell you what, uh, um, a white pastor said this to me years ago before any of this happened. He mm-hmm. said, "I think black people are more spiritual because of what they had to come out of. Just like right. we have generational curses, we have generational right. blessings too." Right. So right. He said, I think more more people more black people are spiritual because they're slavery. They had to depend upon the Holy Spirit. When you mm-hmm. look at uh, people like Harriet Tubman who sung hymns as they were uh, going through the Underground Railroad, right. and yeah. just like in the third world country, they're seeing more miracles because they don't have the doctors and the things that we have. They can only depend upon Jesus. Right. So, right. so we get caught up in wanting to remove statues, wanting to. The Bible tells us very specifically, and, I, and I'm getting ahead of myself, 
But the Bible tells us, and I've heard this over the last year, probably two or three times a month in my prayer time, remember Lot's wife. Mm. Remember Lot's wife. We're getting caught up about things that was behind us mm. when we need to worry about where we're going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that we need to talk about, and we need to get out in the open, and we need to get to a place where we're so to call on even playing ground playing grounds but i don't think we can worry about the statues and everything mm. behind us that's sure. where they want us to get caught up all right we'll take his statue down but nobody's getting treated any different we'll, yeah we'll, what's we'll yeah we'll quit doing this over here but nobody's getting treated either. so why even worry about that we need right. to like, board instead of remembering lots why looking right. back come on man that is so good man that's so good because yeah i mean i i get it man i'll tell you one thing like this whole confederate flag thing like uh, it is, it is, it is a sign of, you know, there's some people that are ignorant out there. They're talking about the South is going to rise again. Well, what's going to rise your hatred, your bigotry, slavery, exactly. like, so take all those things away. I get, I get what pe- folks are saying with that, but who cares? Like what you said, who cares if the statues are down, if nothing's changed, That's right. we haven't fixed this thing. And if we don't give this country back to God, where equality is a possibility, all of those other things aren't going to amount to a hill of beans if we don't do what's right, if we don't as the body of Christ step up and change um, some of these things, man. Thank you for sharing that. You know, um, like I said, I, I know exactly what you're saying, too, about uh, changing and shifting some things. Look, you know what's crazy is I used to get arrested all the time, right? <laughs> no secret. And I dressed the same then. As I do now, you, uh-huh. you see me on Sunday. I still rock Jays. I still, I'm an athlete. Yep. I love sports. I rock my jerseys, all of those things. But you want to know what the difference is? Is that I still look the same, but I ain't acting the same. That's right. That's it. And I and That's I haven't it. been arrested uh, because yeah, I might get some looks. I've even had folks in bigger cities come up to me, and it's really been a tool a tool for me because the way I dress, somebody might walk up to me trying to sell me some drugs or trying to talk to me about drugs or whatever, and then I get to share Jesus with them. Amen. That's right. But I'm not getting arrested again because my behavior's changed. I preached this message on identity a couple of weeks ago, and new DNA, which is what you get when you get born again, brings about new behavior. Mm-hmm. Jesus says in John 7, 24, do not judge by appearance but judge with righteous judgment. You can't judge me based off of my earrings or some tattoos or some Jordans. What you judge me off of is my fruit. Where's my heart at? Where's my life at? Amen. Uh, Last couple of topics we're going to talk to, man. I'm telling you, we could do this all day. This might be the longest show we've had, and I'm good with it (laughs) because, man, we are talking about some good stuff, man. This is some stuff that we, as a country, as a nation, as believers and Christians, that we got to sit down and have these conversations. That's right. Nobody, nobody wants to talk about it. And that's why I wanted, I've had a couple of different topics, you know, had two different conversations. I want to, and I wanted to bring on black African-American men that love the Lord and that have some answers and that are willing to be real and raw and just, just speak the truth. One last thing I want to talk to you about real quick. And then I've got actually uh, one, one other thing besides that too, but you know, and you're you're in the black community. You are part of the black community in this in this country in this region. Um, in the black community, do you believe that in the black community they believe that the Republican Party is a racist party? And if you do believe that, why do you believe that? Um, I do believe that. I do believe that the black community as a whole believes that Republican Party is a racist party. Um. It, it comes back to some things that's said. Uh, it comes back to some things that that's done. Um, do I believe it's the racist party? Uh, I believe that if we say one party over other is, is is one party's racist and one party's not, I think we just do the very same thing that we're asking the community as a black not to do to us, just because one black guy commits a crime doesn't mean all black guys commit a crime. Just because one uh, member of the Republican Party is racist doesn't mean all of them are racist. Right. That is now, so good. I, I will say this. 
I think if one party's racist, the other one can be just as racist. Right. And there's evidence and research out there. If you do your research, sometimes you, when you research, if you go in with a biased opinion, you'll come out with a biased opinion. Mm-hmm. You got to be willing to accept anything you find in there. And that's what I've done. I found some Republicans that, that, that you look at everything and they could be considered racist, but I've also found that some Democrats you look at and, and uh, be considered racist. Here's what I, I base the I belong to. Rep- I lost you there for a minute, yeah, brother. I'm, you're back. Okay. Right. You're good. Yeah. Okay. Do I, do I believe that one party uh, is racist over the over the other one? I do not. Do I believe that I can put my trust solely in one party? I, I do not. My trust is in him alone. Come no on, matter which party wins, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray right. that they take the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ, and I'm going to pray that God, God leads them. I do feel like that we have to, our vote has to line up with the Bible the best it can. Right. I do feel like that we have to take going to the prayer closet and, and, and take that before God. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what, what does this, this group stand for? What does this group stand for? What I'd really like to see is that a true man of God, they give their heart that's completely sold out to God, lead our nation. Damn, come on. That's what I would love to see, whether he says he's a Republican or whether he says he's Democrat. I I I want to. I don't really care what I what I see him say and do, but I want my spirit to connect with his spirit and the spirit. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah, that's good. That's I believe too. That's what it's going to take uh, to bring about uh, unity in our country is a man of God who's willing to. And I'm not making any kind of political pitch here, but I'm telling you, one person I think could do a good job, and that's Mike Pence. Man, he loves yeah. the Lord. He does. Um, yeah. He, when he speaks, he's not divisive. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, sometimes our president can be divisive with some of the You're things exactly that he right. says. Um, yeah. And I believe that he um, adhodes and adheres to um, uh, kingdom values and uh-huh. Christian values and Christian principles. But sometimes the things that he says, it does. It is divisive, and we need unity right now more than ever but i'm with you man whoever's in that office and whoever's sitting at that table we as believers are called to pray for them we are called to um uh, minister on their behalf and and intercede for them and um you know i appreciate appreciate your viewpoint on that you know um just to touch on it for just a second i mean i talked to um one of my pastor friends, Pastor Jason Scales, who was on the show, and we talked about the Make America Great Again comment and the slogan of that. Um, and it's like, and it made, it helped me to realize, you know, okay, that can even in itself be a divisive co- comment because you're like, well, what part of America are you talking about that was great? Are we talking about the slavery uh, for hundreds of years that was here and, and all this stuff? And I read an article um, from Frederick Douglass about the 4th of July. Yeah. Did you yeah, read that the other day? I, I Man, did too. That's powerful. It helped me to understand where the black community was coming from on those topics. Like, you want us to celebrate Independence Day, but we wasn't free at that time. Now, now here, you know, let's, let's be real. If it's today, a, a slavery was abolished 100 years ago, you know, and, but I do understand, especially at that time, yeah. like, he wasn't celebrating independence. That's their holiday at that point. I think yeah. we've gotten to now where it is everybody's holiday because the African-American is free in our country yeah. now. Um, so I think that it is something that they can celebrate now, but they couldn't celebrate that before and feel good about it or feel like everybody else had felt about it. Um, and just touching on that uh, topic real quick too. I don't think we got time to dive into this one, but man, the democratic, so I'm, I'm touching on both topics here. I'm staying balanced. So hear me out on what I'm doing. The Republican Party uh, set the African com- community, African-American community free in our country. The Democratic Party has always been in control in poverty stricken neighborhoods. The Democratic Party is who was leading up the South. If we're doing our research like what we talked about and they have I believe that sometimes they have benefited from and this isn't just a black thing this is a 
poor thing and a social status thing. The Democratic Party has uh, benefited from poor communities in our country for a long time. Um, and I think that until we as a country wake up and realize, or the Democratic Party wakes up and realizes they need to do something different. Yeah. You know, you're saying that you want to help these communities, you want to help these people, then do something to help them. You've been in these communities for 60, 100 years. Things seem to have gotten worse, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's just, man, there's a lot that we could go into on that and dive into that. We ain't got all day, but man, I mean, it's some stuff that, that we as believers in the body of Christ, I think we need to talk, talk about. But the last thing I want to talk to you about real quick, brother, is a hot topic. You are a police officer. You are a detective there at the Franklin County uh, Sheriff's Department. What what is on your mind about police reform? Because um, that's well, a big topic that we got to talk about in our country. So I, I, I'm going to back up a step because you asked me about being a black police officer. So I will yeah. say that and then I will go into okay. police um, being a black uh, police officer in a time like this, uh, the community, the, the black community has to understand one thing, that before I ever put on a uniform, I was still a black man. Right. When I take the uniform off, I'm still a black man. Right. So to, to see injustice happen in, in our community, it doesn't affect me any different as it does then. I still, uh, it's still heavy on my heart when I go to sleep at night. It's still, see, it's still uh, on my mind. Um, now, being a police officer, I probably have more interaction with other police officers, mm -hmm. people who don't really understand because they don't see it happening in their own community or because they personally never done it. Some of them may think that it, it doesn't go on. Mm -hmm. And so I get the questions like, do you think it go on? Do you, how do you, and how do we, how do you think we fix this? And if this was to happen here, what would you do? I get those questions. And, and for the majority, I see people who, I've not seen one person make an excuse for what happened in, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Right, yeah. In my line of work, I've not seen that. Um, they all, they're all like, man, this guy needs to go to jail, needs to go to jail immediately. Uh, even, in, uh, with Ahmad, uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I've not seen anybody make excuses. Well, I take it back. I, I have seen a couple, and, but yeah. we, but we, but we had a conversation like we're having now and it wasn't. That sure. Way. So, but, um, going, so going in that, saying that is, I still feel like the majority of the black community and stuff with stuff like this happened. However, I take my feelings into the secret place. Mm -hmm. I want that to be the foremost, but police reform, what it should look like. Uh, they teach an ethics class in the Academy. I don't know how long it is now. It was only eight hours when I, and, and, and it can take a whole lifetime um, to teach that. Mm -hmm. um, have I made mistakes in law enforcement that I look back in young law enforcement that I look back now and think that was stupid. I never should have done that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that's a lot of what it is. And that's what I tell people. I don't know that every situation is racism, not saying that it's not right, but I don't know. I think some of it's just dumb mistakes. Um, you know, young mistakes uh, in the force. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that young, that young officers make, they're not uh, matured yet. Yeah. Um, but police reform, I think that we have to understand everybody's culture. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I hope that I can get away saying this, but black people talk loud. Mm -hmm. um, so every time that a law enforcement officer comes in contact with a black man that's speaking loud, they don't have to understand that they're not angry. They're not right. upset. Yeah. Um, that's just how they talk. Right. My I'm mom, bad. Puerto Rican and Cuban, son, you talk about getting loud over nothing. I mean, yeah. it is a part of the culture. Right. Go to, go to a family reunion and watch a, a Spades game. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. Um, but I think we, so police reform, I think that in that it looks like we have to start understanding people's culture. Right. Uh, I dress different. Even when I go to court, I've got a really loud suit on. Mm -hmm. Some people ask why just part of my culture, just part of how, you know, we, we like to dress. Right. 
Um, um, and that's just 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 to name a few. I think that um, FTO programs may need to last a little longer. Instead of throwing a, a guy fresh out of academy within three weeks out on his own for him to make uh, own decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and th- and that can happen in bigger pro- uh, bigger places, but in smaller places like where we work, sometimes it, it happens that they they don't even go through an FTO program. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, some o- some other things that I think police uh, reform looks like, and this is kind of going to flip it, but the black community is calling for a change in police. What better way it, than for some of them to go sign up to do the job? Man, that's good. Yeah. Uh, I had a guy and he got blasted on Facebook, but made the same statement. He said, I got a couple of misdemeanors, but I think I'm going to go to the police academy. I'm changed now. And I, I, I encourage that. Yeah. I heck yeah. That. Uh, they're saying that it's racism. But the problem is, and I've experienced this, is even that when we sign up for it, then we become the racist against our own race. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I think the community has to see that they play a part in the reef in the re- reform program. Wow, I think that's really good. Yeah, police police department ha- or police departments all over have to play a part, but the community has to play a part. Right. Uh, I've seen some videos where they say um, that a man was killed for no reason, but they've never been in that situation. And I watch the video, and I'm like, completely justified. I would have had to do right. the same thing. Right. So whenever right. we as a black community is wrong, we have to say, hey, he was wrong. We're going to side with the police. We're going to, we have to side with good, not evil. Right. That goes to that kingdom thing again, right? Yeah. And I think that's part of the, ref- all of that's part of the re- reform program. I think it's a community effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ha- They want police officers, and we should tell on other police officers when they do something wrong, but let a homicide right. happen next door. And you walk into a black community, nobody's seen anything. Mm-hmm. We need uh, help. Yeah. yeah. We need help, you know. Yeah. Um, and like I said, we could spend all day on police reform. There, there's several mm-hmm. different topics. So I try to go through that. If there's anything that you want me to touch on more, you know. Yeah, no, I, I think that was good. That was actually some stuff that I had uh, never heard before, you know, so, some of the things that you had mentioned. And not necessarily that I didn't hear before, but I think that's something that needs to be verbalized a lot more. Uh, some, a lot of that I heard of taking responsibility that that the communities are a part of the police reform as well. Black police officers going into the force, right? We always talk about, well, we we want to change. Why don't we be the change, right? Why don't we go in and stand up for righteousness and go in and do some of those um, things that we're shifting and talking about? I, I just had this, I don't even know if it was like, I could call it an epiphany or something because it really ain't that deep. But I mentioned it to you earlier and just tell me what you think because i want folks to hear from a police officer's standpoint of does this even is this even make sense because i know every it's a hot topic again with gun control and all these things but like with a police officer who is uh, i think y'all call it like a road dog right but it's somebody who's on the road it's a police officer who is you know maybe posted up in a community making sure nothing's going on, nobody's speeding, all those type of things, which police officers all handle uh, speeding tickets and things like that and can pull somebody over if they're breaking the law in any shape, form, or fashion. But, like, you're a detective. You have been trained in certain situations. You have been through certain situations, and you have been on the force for a while to make detective. Why do we not take the guns out of the hands of an officer who might just be watching over a neighborhood or posted up in a city trying to see if anybody's speeding or breaking the law. And when a confrontation that is heated or there is a serious confrontation, why would we not just send the detectives in, but take the guns out of the hands of the officers who are getting caught up in these moments? Is that even something that's doable? Is it something that makes sense? Does it not make sense? Can you give me a police perspective on that do you believe that every officer no matter what should have a gun or should that be specifically set apart for detectives or folks such as yourself who have been through a lot of training i I think if you take the gun away from anybody that doesn't uh have so many years in law enforcement 
you will see a mass exodus or nobody signing up. First of all, nobody's really signing up now. Right. So I think that that's the first problem. Yeah, you don't have enough police officers. Yeah, the second, see, with with our sheriff's office, and it helps some, uh, a lot of the times you have to do at least one year in the county jail, which means you don't carry a gun because of course right. you can't get in that jail. Right. And what that, I've done that, and what that taught me was how to talk to people. Because, I mean, in there, you, you're maybe one or two men amongst 40 or 50 inmates. Right, yeah, so yeah. You can't go in there with <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't go in there Superman in it. <laughs> yeah, you have to talk to people. You have to de-escalate situations. Right. And, and so I think that that in itself is kind of what you're talking about. But the turnover rate is, is happening so quick that they're only getting a year in the jail. They're only... Um, you know, spending so much time on the road. Now, in situations where that where that happened is, um, there's very few situations that we hear a call on the radio that we pull up and think we may end up having to take somebody's life. Very few. Right. So when you send out a, we'll, we'll call him a rookie. When you send out a rookie to a, a call of a suspicious male in, in the park, you don't think that when you pull up that it may end up in a gunfight. You just think uh, grandma's walking, somebody's made her feel uncomfortable, right. and that you, you're you just going to check, make sure everything's okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I can send this this rookie in there, and they, they should just go check, make sure everything's okay. And if, if not, you know. Uh, and then your other problem with, with that is that um, a lot of the times, I know right now I'm – I'm dealing with three very high profile cases. Mm-hmm. So I have very little interaction with what's actually happening on the streets. And then the third thing is, um, if I go back to some of this conversation, uh, some of the things that I've done in my area earlier career, I thought, man, that was stupid. I never should have done that. Uh, mm-hmm. So it comes with, with experience. I've done it this way the first time, but looking back, I'll never do that again. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think it's kind of a growing uh, maturity. I talk to a lot of people. You know, I just had a conversation with one of my coworkers the other day. You know, one of the situations is I put myself in a situation that I could have died several ways, mm-hmm. and and there was a much smarter way to do that. And I know that now, looking back. But at the moment, you know, yeah. I, I know the very first thing to come to instinct, and my instinct would have gotten killed had it turned out any other way. Yeah. Uh, so vice versa. A lot of times, the, these these young officers kill people. I don't think that it's a race issue. I think it's a scared or a scared issue. I think that it could be. Have I ever pulled a gun on somebody scared? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Have I ever pulled a gun on somebody thinking that I may not make it home? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, have I ever pulled a gun on somebody that I probably shouldn't have? Absolutely. But you learn all those things when over time. And you right. learn how to deal with stuff differently over time. Yeah. Um, um, so I hope I answered your question. Yeah, no, that's very, very, very insightful. Um, sounds like to me, one of the police reform situations is putting young police officers with an older veteran that's been doing it a while that he can learn from. I think that's one way you get around that. You know, some yeah. of the situations that you just mentioned helped me to understand, like, probably what you just said just clicked with me. It does make sense not to take, how are you going to take guns from every police officer when they show up to a call? Like you mentioned, maybe you're thinking, Oh, well, maybe it's just an older lady walking in the park. Um, and somebody just rattled, rattled her cage, but then this office. So you send in the, the rookie officer, but then it turns into a way bigger ordeal. You know, how are you going to gauge that? Cause you can't right. really gauge that you can't, you know, so that, that helped me to understand that. Um, and some of these other things that you talked about on police reform, I know in the County jails, that's usually how things go as far as getting on the sheriff's department, you do have to do a, a year or so at the jail, but like city police officers, I don't think they have to, I think if they go to the Academy, they come straight out on the road and there's been no conflict resolution necessarily training i've been on the other spectrum of that i know what it's like to be in a pod full of 50 dudes and one guard come in there and he don't feel so comfortable you know and 
And so like that does help to train you in the sense of learning how to speak with people is if you speak with people most of the time in life, I'm not saying all the time, but most of the time in life, if you give respect, you get it back. That's right. Um, and you know, I think, uh, these are all really tough topics, man, um, that we're touching on. But as we're closing it out, brother, uh, thank you for all of your insight that you poured into our listeners and, and viewers today. But uh, we're going to close it out with uh, not the practical, but the spiritual. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. Brother, what is it that God's speaking to you in this season that we're in as a country, as God's people, as God's children? Is there anything that God is speaking to you right now in this season that you would like to release over the airwaves into our listeners and viewers today. People of God, don't let the enemy divide us. Come on. We must stand for what's right. And when I say what's right, I'm talking about the word of God. We must unite. We're going, me and you, brother Caleb may not agree on every single thing on every single topic. Right. But what we can agree on, is Jesus Christ is high Come lifted. On. Yes, yes, yes. What we can agree on is that he died on the cross for our sins. Mm-hmm. And that this life, everything we're going through in this life will pass away. But our soul will have to be stand account. And we're going to spend it in one or two places, right. heaven or hell. Right. And we cannot let anything that's going on in this nation right now divide us on that. Because I tell you what, what I am seeing is that I took my focus off, not completely off, but I kept it kingdom-minded, and I'm seeing people come to Christ every single Sunday. I'm seeing people oh, baptized in the Spirit every single yeah. Sunday. I'm seeing people deliver every single Sunday. Right. And so we can't let this divide us in the church. Yeah. But, and the second thing, that, and, and the last thing I would like to say is, remember Lot's wife. We can't look back. That's we got to look. We got to look. Because here's what I know. In the last days, he's going to pour spirit out upon all flesh. Come on, And his now. sons and daughters will prophesy. Right, right. Yeah. And so we got to get our nation awakened. Right. We got to get to a place where that this is going to be the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit that America has ever seen. We've got yeah. to turn our, we got to bow our knees and turn our hearts back to God. Yeah. We must ask for forgiveness of our sins so that he can heal our land. Come on, man. Come on, man. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. Oh, man, it's uh, been great. Yeah, man. Today has been incredible. I, this might be one of the most uh, powerful shows we've had so far yet. Just facing things head on, man. Uh, me, uh, the way that I operate, the gifting that the Lord is, is giving me with, I don't think it's no accident that my name is Caleb because I take on giants <laughs> head on, brother. I, I really, oh, you know, yeah. that's the only way to face them. I preached on David um, the other day at a youth revival, man. And I told that generation, run and face your giant. The Bible says that David took off running towards Goliath and slayed him. We got to run and tackle these issues head, head on, face forward with a kingdom mentality and a kingdom perspective. And man, uh, just, just honor you, brother. I thank you for coming on and sharing your heart today. me. Yeah, man, it, it was absolutely incredible. I'll tell you one thing I want to do as I, we close out, uh, brother Curtis, I'm, I'm going to pray for us and pray for okay. our nation and pray for our country and pray for police officers and pray for the black community. And, and we're going to pray real quick, and then we're going to shut this thing down. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly father, Lord, we love you so much. God, we thank you for everything that you are doing in this season. It looks like all hell has broke loose around us and it has, but God, we understand and know that you are still working it out for your good, that you are working out all things for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Father God, today we lift up the black community that is hurting, that has been outraged, by uh, these things that they have been facing, uh, death that they have been facing, persecution, racism, all of these things that are legitimate, God. And we lift them up. And in love, we say, Jesus, 
Help us to understand. Help us to change things. Help us to shift things. Help us to uh, wrap our loving arms around this community and say, God loves you. God has a plan. God has a purpose for all of these things. And we as the body of Christ, we stand with you. And we do say black lives matter, that the black community is one that has been set apart for God. That's why for years upon years upon years, they have stood in the gap in this country and prayed for this country, prayed in the Holy Ghost, believed in the gifts of the Spirit, believed upon your Spirit, God. And we just lift up this community to you right now. Lord God, we also lift up the community of police officers in our nation. Lord God, we understand that, yes, there's been a couple of, of bad apples, but God, that not all of these men and women that are serving us in our communities in this country should be placed in a box just like not all of the black community should be placed in a box, Lord God. And we want equal and, and, and co-rights to be established in this country where equality can happen, Lord God. And we just ask, Lord Jesus, that you would protect these police officers, that you would keep them uh, away from these tough circumstances, God, that you would protect them, that a garrison of angels would be around police officers serving us in our communities and serving us in our nation, Lord Jesus, and that there would be solid police reform, that, Lord God, you would have your hand upon it in our government Uh, Lord God, your word says that you establish governments, you establish the seasons and the times and kings and governments. Lord God, we thank you for that. And we ask that you would pour out your spirit, a spirit of wisdom and revelation, God, over these departments and over our government, Lord Jesus. We give this country back to you. We repent of our sins and we ask that you would heal our lands, Lord Jesus. Yes, Father, we thank you for the body of Christ. Help us as the body of Christ to have a kingdom mentality and not a political one. We understand that sometimes the lines get crossed because kingdom mentality will always speak against evils that are against you and that are against your word and that are against your heart. So, Father God, we understand that, but help us to have a kingdom heart, a kingdom mentality, one filled with the spirit of God. Lord, we love you so much and we thank you. It is in Jesus' mighty name that I pray. Amen and amen. amen. Brother Curtis, thank you for coming on the show, man. Uh, yeah, man, it's been an awesome, incredible show. If you liked what you heard today, uh, we just thank you for tuning in to this episode. If you like what you heard today, subscribe and rate the show. And we will see you guys next week on the Recovery to Recovered podcast. Thank you for listening to the Recovery to Recovered podcast. If you like what you heard today, visit BeTheBushMinistries.com or MiriamHouse.com to become a monthly partner or for more info about our ministry and what we are accomplishing for the kingdom of God. You can also follow me on Facebook at Caleb McCall or on Instagram at Pastor Caleb Mack. See you next week.